0: Welcome to the Bee Podcast. The mission of the Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age. To have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey. To listen to stories similar and different than our own. Engage in each other's triumphs and failures. Hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled. The loss we have endured. The joy we have encountered. And the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power, and that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is The Bee Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Bee Podcast. Today we hear from Karime Masaro, a police officer at Iowa State University. As a child, Karime moved from Mexico to the United States and later, more specifically, Iowa. She shares with us the hurdles and obstacles meant to hold her back from her dreams. Breaking all the boundaries, Karime's sweet spirit and heartwarming story about how she attained her goals will no doubt leave you inspired. Without further delay, here is Karime's story. Hello everyone, thank you for being here. Today I get to be here with my friend Karime Massaro, who is an incredible woman. And I actually met Karime in high school. We went to the same high school
1: at Etuma High, And I remember her specifically because she was like, super, she's super gorgeous. And um, then we met kind of again, when our paths crossed, when we were both working at Etumahe High School later on in our life. So Karime, thank you for being here. How are you?
2: Thank you for having me, Cami. I'm so excited. I, yes. I feel like a little kid right now and this is I, so exciting.
1: <laughs> it's so fun. These are so fun. Um, yes. So Karine, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, your career title, your family. Tell us a little bit about you.
2: So um, I'm originally from Mexico. Um, I grew up in Mexico, moved to America in 96, Um, We were adopted and all that good stuff. And then um, we ended up actually moving to Iowa in 2001. Our family was relocated from California for a job. Uh, My parents were uh, relocated for a job and they basically paid for everything for us to move here. So um, that's how we ended up in Iowa. Um, I'm currently married and have 3 dogs and they're my babies. Um, I'm a full-time employee at Iowa State University Police Department and I'm also a student. Um, let's see what else. What else about me? I don't know.
1: that is a lot. You've got a lot going for you. <laughs> that's it and that's yeah. all for now, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So what is your your job title?
2: My job title. So I'm a police officer for the ISU Police department. Um, I work third shift, which is 11:30 p.m. to 7:30 a.m. And so I do that. I do the patrolling. I do, you know, I take my calls, um, pretty much traffic enforcement, anything and everything that campus kids could possibly need um, as far as like outreach activities go. Um, I'm also part of the engagement and inclusion officer team, which is essentially what it means like what it says uh we reach out to people of different you know cultures people with different ethnic backgrounds things like that to kind of make them feel a little more comfortable with the police and how can we serve you better because I can't do my job if I don't know how to serve you and coming from a Mexican background I know what it's like to not trust the police so I this is why I'm in the position that I'm in is because I, I want to give that and like, I want to give back
1: as far as that goes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. And you, I mean, that shift has to be at, for, uh, on a college campus. That has to be the most exciting time, exciting shift. I'm certain yeah. lots of parties to break up. Uh-huh. Yeah. You do a lot of that. <laughs> so
2: I, I, well, right now with um, COVID-19, you know, it's right. kind of yes. slowed down a little bit, but uh, definitely. I mean, we see kiddo and it's crazy, Kimmy, because we can go from like serious conversations to like, hey, let's go through like field sobriety tests with you guys. You guys can wear our goggles and we can kind of educate you as far as that goes about, you know, drinking and driving and like using other illegal substances and how that can be, you know, an operating while intoxicated and kind of those things. So like it's it's fun that I can sit there and kind of like goof around. Uh, and educate. Um, I mean, I go from that to like, you know, going to sorority and talking to them about sexual assault and like how to keep you guys safe and
1: like
2: how y'all can reach out and make sure that we're hearing each other correctly or, you know, the resources that are available to them. Um, And then I could be writing 15 citations. So I have whatever I want to do. Um, I'm pretty fortunate as far as that goes. I can do whatever as much or as little as, as I want. Again, with COVID going on, it's it's a little different right now. But generally, sure. that's what my my job looks like.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I love the part about education and how you yeah. are actively, you know, talking with men and women about ways to keep themselves safe on campus. Sure. That's wonderful. Very yeah, cool. Especially,
2: especially kids from, like, different countries. And, you know, we have different customs and different um, – re- I don't even know how to explain it. You know, like, even growing up, for me – some of the things that we didn't think were normal, quote unquote, at home, you know, kids were doing at the high school. And I'm like, man, their parents are so cool that they could do that. But you know, in my culture, it was like a big no, no. So trying to educate those cultures and like, hey, this is America. Like This is not okay. Like people cannot treat you this way. Like you can come and tell us and we can, you know, enforce some laws as far as that goes and making sure that, you know, they feel comfortable with us and stuff. And honestly, when they're younger, that's probably the best approach is what I've seen since I've yeah. been doing this.
1: So I, I really like it. It's pretty great. Well, and I feel like as a young female officer, they probably listen a little bit better because mm-hmm. you're less intimidating, I think, on a like on a visual level. Yeah. You might be less intimidating mm-hmm. than a white man, <laughs> for yeah. example. To come so in, so that's and, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's really, really cool. I love that it's more you're doing a lot of education as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, your background as, um, a Mexican woman. Let's talk about that as a child.
2: Uh, um, let's see, what do you want to hear? So, oh, so I, <laughs> i am not your average mexican-american okay um i did not marry in my race i decided i'm going to put my education first and i'm not going to have children and graduate high school which yes i graduated high school um some you know sometimes there's that stigma that some people of you know different cultures don't get to graduate or whatever the case may be um so I'm I'm not like I read this book and it says I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. <laughs> and it reminds me so much of me because I'm I'm not like I'm not at home cooking all the time. And like, you know, the things that our culture is very, very much used to. Um, I am my husband and I are very much a team. We work together as far as everything goes, whether to be a sheriff for story County. So. Working the shift work, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, Cami. As far as that goes, um, mm-hmm. so we're very much a team. Uh, I am pursuing my education. Um, I'm trying to do all of the things that, unfortunately, my mom didn't get a chance to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and another thing that's always thrown at me is, you know, you're almost 30 and you don't have kids. And I'm thinking, I also haven't completed my studies, and like I still have so much more that I want to give my children if I have them someday. And I can't do that if I don't have the education that I want to
1: pursue. Yeah, that is awesome. I love, I love that. I love that you are kind of breaking the mold and I'm certain that you are super thankful for the background that you do have because what a rich history and your culture. I think, I think it's just really interesting that we, We do sometimes in any culture, we sometimes get stuck in what's normal Mm -hmm. for, for Mm -hmm. that culture. And then, uh, we kind of perpetuate that, but I think it's really awesome that you're stepping outside of the box and you are working in law enforcement, which is fantastic. Yeah. So Kareeming, tell me a little bit about what created this desire in you to become an officer.
2: Um, what, Created the desire. There are so many things that I could say because um fortunately for me, I've been blessed with a ton of people that have molded me into who I am. Um, so like I can't just like pinpoint one person, you know. I've I've been so blessed. But um most of the reason, Kami, that I decided to do it is because um the experiences that I have had with law enforcement and just seeing how afraid my mom is of the police, like even to this day, like I wear a uniform every day. She went and was there when my badge was pinned on and like, she's still super scared of them. And I want to say half of it is because of our culture in Mexico and the way that police officers are. Um, but you know, in, in Mexico, how they are. Okay. Okay. But then again, like, you know, and just the way that everything is going on in America right now too. So like, can't even say that it's just back home. Um, so most of the reason why I wanted to join law enforcement is because I did want to offer that like sense of safety to people that I could communicate with. Um, if I can't understand somebody, you know, that makes it really hard for me to trust them. So I decided what if I'm the one that can interpret for them, or what if I'm the person that, um, is there to be able to like, fix that barrier in between. And it all started at the jail. So I actually worked at the Story County Jail for close to three years before I became a cop. Um, and seeing all of the racial biases that were there was kind of what started getting my wheels turning. So I'll tell you a secret, Kami. Um, I used to be really embarrassed of this, but I decided, you know, this is this is who I am. And I'm. I mean, if this can help somebody else grow, why not? For a long time, I was really afraid of becoming a police officer because English is my second language, um, and I was afraid of not being able to pass the test. Oh. If you talk to any them, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, it's like the easiest test. It's just like a test of basic skills. Yeah, it's great for you when you were born here and you aren't 11 years delayed in learning the language. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it might be for you, but for me, out of the five sections, math is basically the only one that you can translate from Spanish to English. So that was super scary. Um, So here at ISU, it was my third place that I had applied um, and got hired like right away. And I can't give my department enough credit because they are so awesome when it comes to respecting my culture and like, letting me be who I am and like letting me bring that out into the community and into the Latinx community, which is awesome.
1: Well, and so necessary. I mean, you have so many, not only are you educated and you're able to create meaningful connections with with men and women, especially college age, that's huge, but you're also bilingual, and you have a completely different, un- unique look on what it looks like to be around law enforcement as, I mean, you're, you, as a different, um, a different race, and so that's incredible. So what a, you you are the asset to that department, I'm certain as well, so. You um, mean Yeah, yeah, so let's, if we can, can we talk a little bit about any of the racism that you experienced while you were growing
2: up? Oh my gosh, yes. You might actually remember one of these awful experiences, Cammie, because it happened while we were at high school. Um, okay. Do you remember a gentleman that hung a dead possum in the men's back? Yes, I do. I do remember that. And the And the way that he had written on the mirror, it was just so sad how he, I believe it was something something similar to this is how people or colored people should go and their families should go or something like that, which something awful and racist. Means. Yeah, it was just disgusting. So I mean, that was, I think that was my second incident of experiencing racism. Um, my very, very first one, I was almost 15 years old. I was working at Sonic drive-in best job I've ever had hands <laughs> oh my gosh. Did I love those people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember working and I was working the drive-through and there I was, you know, like trying to hustle. Cause it's like lunchtime. It's summertime. Everybody's out. Everyone wants their slushies, whatnot. Um, and this gentleman comes, you know, he's at the window and he goes, his food was running either. So it was either something like his food was running behind or somebody like dropped his food or something and so it was taking longer than usual. Right. And so I peek out through the window and I'm like, I'm so sorry, sir. Like, we'll give you your food right away. Like, give me just a second, you know, and I shut the window and I go back and I, you know, get the food bagged up and whatnot. Like I don't cook, right. I'm just bagging the food and handing it out, taking the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like doing that, trying to hurry because this guy like he looks pissed. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what I want. So I go to like grab his food and stuff and start going And he looks at me and he goes, Did you touch my food? And I'm like, well, no, like I'm I'm not a cook, you know, like I bagged your food. And he goes, I'm not touching that. I'm not I'm not taking that food. If a wet bag touched my food, I don't, I don't want it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, he did not use the word wet bag. He used the word spick. First time I'd ever heard that word in my life, right? That's the word he used. And I remember thinking, what is he talking about? And I'm like, no, sir. Like I'm trying to explain to him, right? Like I didn't cook your food. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't drop it. Like this is fresh food. You get good food. Like trying to explain this to him. And my mind's just like racing, like what in the world? And so I'm like, no, it's fine. Like I didn't make it, you know, like everything is good. I just put it in the bag and here's your food. And so my manager, this amazing, like incredible, White woman, like she's like this gorgeous, like six whatever. I don't. She seemed huge to me because I'm, you know, five (laughs) one and just awesome person, right? And so like, she flies over to the window and like kind of like shoves me to the side, and I'm thinking now I really messed up, right? He's like, he's mad now. My manager, owner is mad. (laughs) What's going on? Mm -hmm. And. And so I, I kind of just move aside, and he and she tells him, "You will not speak to my employees that way. And if you do, you are not allowed in my store ever again." Yeah. And he's arguing that he's not going to take the food, and da da da. And she says, "Fine." Rips the ticket off, looks at the price, gives them his money back. You're never welcome back in my store if that's how you're going to treat my employees. And I'm thinking, "Are you kidding
1: me? Like his food was not that late, right? Like." what is going on? And in your brain, you still didn't understand, like, because you had, that was the first time that you had heard that term. Yeah. Okay. And
2: so like, okay. I'm just like, okay, um, what in the world? Right. And so like, I'm like, I am so sorry, Carla, you know, like I didn't do it whatever. And she kind of like walks away, but like not mad. She was just kind of like throwing her hands in the air and you could tell she was frustrated. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get rid of or whatever. You know, I was f- 14, 15, just barely started, loved my job. I didn't want to do anything to ruin it. And so also this is how I was paying for my cleats and <laughs> everything. for <laughs> So I was like, I can't ruin this, right? I'm saving money for my little Honda Civic I'm going to
1: get. And so, <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay,
2: so I like kind of got really quiet, right? And I'm just like doing my own thing. And she comes up to me a few minutes later and she's like, are you okay, kid? and I'm like yeah I'm I'm really sorry you know and she's like do you, do you want to come she's like come sit over here on my desk and her desk was right by the drive through and she sat me down and she goes have you ever heard that before has anyone ever said that to you before and I'm like no honestly I'm like I don't understand why he's so upset and she's like she explained what the term meant and I was really like just shocked right because Coming from Mexico, everyone looked like me. Um, Coming to, you know, California for a while, like my teachers, Mr. Gonzalez, like he he taught math in Spanish, like that was not not normal. And so I was just kind of like, I didn't know how to feel, you know. Let alone like I was never going to go home and talk to my parents about it because my mom worked so hard, Cami, to get us to the states and like. That woman, I mean, if you've ever seen a hardworking woman, it's her. She's incredible. The Things that she's able to do for her family are absolutely incredible. Um, And so, like, I was never going to go home and talk about it, you know? And, of course, my brother, like, he might have heard it, and he's way smarter. So, like, I'm like, he probably knows what it is. But also, I didn't want to hurt him, too. Mm -hmm. And the reason I saw Carla react, I was like, maybe it is a bad thing, you know? And, like, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. And so, I just didn't say anything to anyone. I just kept it to myself and I just and she's you know, she even told me she's like, Do you want to go home? And I'm like, God no, are you cutting my hours? Are you crazy?
1: <laughs> I got shoes, I got a car, I, I gotta get those things.
2: Yeah. I've gotta get some new cleats for the next season. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> yeah. So it
1: was just,
2: wow. It was just crazy. But and then, you know, the second one that I can specifically remember is the one that we were talking about with the possum. And I mean, that was that was awful. Yeah. And I mean, occasionally, you know, people would scream at us when we'd be walking that they were going to call INS and whatnot. But like when you're 14, I had no idea what INS meant, you know? And like, what do you, what, okay. Call whoever you want.
1: Like, (laughs) good for you. Whatever Whatever, (laughs) guy. So that, okay. So that's really, I mean, just so unfortunate that you had to endure that because, there's so much power in words and yeah, I think it's just incredible that m- people to this day still feel like they are superior.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah. ne- it never stops, Cami. I think you just learn to deal with it and like, maybe deal with it isn't the correct word, but how to navigate through racism and biases because I mean, girl, I'm a police officer and I have had people walk up to me and ask me, so do you have to be a US citizen to become a police officer? And I'm Oh my thinking, gosh. <laughs> In my mind, I'm just mind blown, right? Because I'm like, I'm protecting your city, and that's what you're concerned about. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> the color of my skin? What? Yeah. <laughs> right. So wow. I mean it doesn't stop. Small, Actually. just so small. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm Certain that some people when they're asking these questions are I mean they have they're ignorant they have to be ignorant in the first place to even think those things but then to actually verbalize and ask like oh, you must be really just it just really uneducated and ignorant about those
2: yeah and that's the frustrating part is like, you don't know if like, okay, some of these people might never have grown up in an area where there were people of different cultures and different, you know, races and stuff. And so like, that's unfortunate, or they're so closed minded that they're not willing to learn. Um, You know, like people that will walk up to me and ask me if I speak Mexican. Right. It just make me want to rip my hair out because it's something so simple, you know, that's not even that hard.
1: Yeah. For the record, women listening, it's Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's clarify that. Uh, yeah. Let's work through some of these stereotypical, awful biases that people have. Okay. So I am so glad that you are sharing your experience because especially you have a, you have a very unique position, especially today. Um, we have had lots of our attention as a culture has been brought to the importance and the relevance and the complete need for racism to and bias prejudice all of it to be abolished and you are number one you are a woman number two you are a person of color and number three you are a police officer so you are breaking boundaries left and right Oh and, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm just so fascinated because I mean, you are you're 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 doing it. Like you're there, you're doing it, you're doing what you were meant to do and unapologetically and I love that. Yeah. Um do you think that being a woman has proved to create any more or maybe difficult or maybe different challenges for you in the field of law enforcement?
2: Hmm. You mean like
1: like how people treat me? Yeah. Things that you've maybe had to overcome that possibly a male wouldn't have had to. Oh, I mean, absolutely. But that's, you know, that's anybody. I
2: mean, a male can and not be certified, but you know, they're going to get the job over a woman any day. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, like we're just getting over that tiny hump. So, um, definitely, um, I specifically remember, actually, this is awful. The, director of the iowa law enforcement academy telling me you have to work twice as hard as the average male cop to be somewhat okay first of all that's disgusting for a female to tell another female okay we already are fighting many battles as it is to be a female in law enforcement and person of color i even remember a sergeant that came and talked during one of our classes and said do I have any Latinos in here? And she's Latina. And I said, you know, I raised my hand with along with three others. And she goes, Ooh, sister. And she shakes her head. Right. And she goes, let me tell you, girl, you're in for it. And I just looked at her and she says, you think people hate you because you're going to wear a badge and carry a gun? People are going to hate you twice as much because you're a person of color carrying a gun and that badge. And she says, coming from somebody who suffered, I hope to God that your struggles are not nearly as hard as mine. So like that was really like, it kind of hit me like a glass of water in the face, right? Because yeah. it's just like, I didn't think about that. You know, when I prayed about this job and when I, because I did for for years, I prayed if this is what you want me to do, God, like, make it easier for me, make me be able to overcome all of those things that scare me to become a cop, as far as like the language barrier and all that, not the ability, because I feel like if I'm determined enough, I can take on whatever I I want. Um, It's not gonna be easy, but I definitely can set my mind to something and work for it, right? Yeah. But like, mentally, as far as like the language, came you know I I was just super afraid of that and so like I prayed about it for I want to say almost four years before I even had the opportunity and it was just it was just so crazy I feel like I'm going all over the place but
1: there's just so much that I want to share yeah you have a really big unique complex story and it's 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 hard to contain in one podcast episode, so you're just gonna have to come back. Um, but no, yeah, I I think that those obstacles, especially as a woman and a person of color, those create bigger. I mean, you have to be you have to be so determined, and it sounds like because you prayed. I mean, you made sure that your heart was in the right place, and you were asking for direction on what to do. I love that you were able to then go into that profession and do it well, even though you had all these obstacles in your way. I mean, can you talk, can you talk maybe just a little bit about, um, then how you kind of cope with the stress of that? Because I mean, officers, I know from being a woman who has family members in law enforcement, um, Yeah, you're a big family too. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stress. I was actually just talking with my father-in-law about this. I was like, how do you cope with the stress of you every day? I mean, I mean, but. So
2: yeah, there's so many things anymore, right? Like anything from a bubble bath to (laughs) anyone who knows me knows I love baths. Um, So that's, you know, obviously in the winter. Um, Exercise, girl. Exercise is my. The way I deal with mental health, the way that I deal with a stressful day, um, just that's just me. That's just who I am. You know, I I enjoy it. I enjoy pushing my body to a limit that I know might be really hard, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I want to see if I'm capable of doing it. Um, I journal and I do devotionals in the morning and at night. I mean, I journal every single morning, morning because I wake up at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you know, and and every single day. I mean, I journal the things, five things that I'm grateful for, right? And then I do my devotional and then I read some sort of uh, motivational book, whether it's about fitness or about life or about, you know, ambitions that I want to have. That's honestly, that one is my go-to right now is like just making sure that I am making myself aware of the things that I'm grateful for. And I, it's almost to the point too, where like, I look at the day before and what I wrote, and I'm not allowed to write those things again, because I have to go outside of that bubble. Right. And like, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm saying other stuff and it's not always just like things or people, you know, it's like a mixture of, I try to have people and things and occasions that have happened, you know, like today's was I get to be on this podcast and I might be able to reach somebody that is struggling through the same stuff that I'm struggling through. So like, you know, that's something I'm grateful for. Um, so just, just being aware and like trying to be very like in the moment. Yeah. too.
1: That's awesome. Which can be, so right now. <laughs> it can, it can be, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to be, or I mean, it takes time and people, all the time. Mm-hmm. They don't want to take the time to be thankful or make that commitment. So yeah. I think especially with the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis with your job, it can be really, really toll, mm-hmm. tolling and taxing on your mental health. So I think that that's awesome that you are active in pursuing those things. Yeah.
2: I to, like, don't let myself put my cell phone for the first hour. Right. Like I, I, I should do that.
1: Yeah. I should do that.
2: It's incredible. Cause then that's a, I don't, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get to hear any of the crap that's going on on Facebook or Instagram, you know, all the negativity, like I don't touch it for an hour. And then after an hour, if I have time, cause then by that point, it's time to get to the gym. Right. So like it's, I'm rushing to like drive to Ames to get to the gym. And I mean, by that point, I'm not checking my phone till seven o'clock sometimes at night. And it's like, well, you've already been without your phone for five hours on top of your eight hours of sleep. Like you can dink around on it if you want, but it's it's amazing how much that time away from your cell phone can give you time to reflect on the good things in life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So, with being a police officer, what is your what's your self talk like on on the job? So, like, what goes through your brain? How do you, in the moment, work through what you have to work through? When you are at work, if that makes sense, mm. what do you tell yourself? What's what's your inner dialogue? Let's say you're coming up on an accident or you're coming up on an uncomfortable situation. Maybe it's a domestic. What 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 are you telling yourself as you're going into those situations that are sometimes scary and unknown?
2: Um, well, first of all, I I love the people around me. Right. I mean, I have Ames. I have the Story County. Um Sheriff's office. I have all of my coworkers. so like that's not something I generally worry about because I know that if somebody knows I'm on something hot, they're gonna come to me to help me, right? So, like I know that I have them nearby. Awesome. um, another thing that I try to like tell myself is to um so we learn how to tactically breathe, which is nothing special, really. It's just you know, breathing in and out four times, trying to like get your oxygen and whatnot. And so like trying to do that, um, and trying to be an, have an open mind, because really, like, when you're going into those situations, you can't go in already guessing who's going to be the victim and who's going to be the perpetrator. Um, because if that's the case, and it's the other way around, like, you, those people never had a chance. So trying to, like, be vigilant, but at the same time, be a human, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Because they
2: mm-hmm. are not going to want to talk to me if I'm in their robocop in a, you know, like, let's so let's get so serious. Like, no, no, no. I have to be a human before I can get my job done. And nobody will talk to me if I'm acting that way. And I hop on a call that they need my help on. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's wonderful that you are also, you also have that support. That's incredible.
2: Also Um, like my team. Oh my gosh. I am so grateful. I love them so much. I mean, for a while I was the only female on nights and those guys showed me so much love, like in a non-love way, but like they were relentless. Like they taught me so much without wanting to teach me to not, you know, to just be better. And so like, if, if there ever is a time that I think, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so scared. I know that I could reach out to any of those guys and they would tell me right away, like, this is what you could do to keep you safe, to keep me safe, to give that person the best, outcome that they can have. Um, And also like my husband, you know, he's been in law enforcement for eight years. So if I'm ever stuck on anything, I can always give him a call. Thankfully, we work the same, you know, hours. So if I'm ever stuck on anything, I mean, why not call my best resource, my best friend, you know, and ask him, hey, I'm stuck. What do I do here?
1: Yeah, that's really, that's a wonderful resource to have that is not readily available to anyone. Like not everyone's spouse is in an LEO and that's awesome. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Really unique. He'll never like give me advice that's going to get me or somebody else hurt. Right. Cause he loves. Right. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So what do you think has been your greatest challenge as an officer? And this could be a challenge, like as an officer in general, this could be like an, as a woman, as a female, this could be as a Mexican law enforcement officer. What, what has been your, your biggest challenge, do you think?
2: Honestly, Cammy, I think getting through the process of knowing and believing in myself that I could do this. Um, like I said. In your own brain. Yeah, yeah, in my own head. Because, okay. I mean, I can train all day. For, you know, the Cooper test. And I know that I can pass that test, not to be like arrogant, but if you train your body to do something that it'll, it'll do it. Right. So like you can push yourself to that extent, teaching your mind, something, especially coming from the, the way that we were raised, you know, I didn't get to hear all of those things. Like now with my chosen family, I am <laughs> so great. I can't even tell you how, like, I can't put in words how fortunate I am for them. They're all just amazing human beings. It's almost like they shouldn't even be walking this earth, right? And they tell me, like, my father-in-law is, like, any day. And my mother-in-law, they're like, you can do anything, right? Like, you got this. Like, they're the biggest cheerleaders I've ever had. Whereas growing up, you know, like, college was never a thing. Um, And, you know, you, for the most part, most kids will take care of their parents. So, like, Going to college and like getting out of high school right away to start a new job to like be able to help your parents with the household responsibilities is a thing, right? So like not saying that my mom never trusted in me, but you know, it was never like you can do whatever you want. You know how here in America, I hear that a lot, especially parents will be, you want to be the president? You got this. Like We'll support you all the way, right? Another good example. I just read the book Proud. I don't know if you've read it yet, if you haven't. I haven't. No. Oh my gosh. But Ibti hash Mohammed, yes.
1: Okay. It's incredible. I'm gonna put that on my list.
2: It's incredible. Her parents, same thing. You know, they like told her and supported her. She could do anything she had her mind set on. And so, like, that wasn't something I grew up hearing. Right. So, trying to like trick my mind to tell myself I can overcome some of the scariest things, aka passing a test that was actually not that bad. Um, right but it was just like in my head I was just like there's no way there's no way you could ever pass that test because a lot of things especially in English like I have to translate it almost in my brain so like doing while I'm reading something I'm also like some words I'm interpreting in my mind and so I'm like oh okay so this word looks like this word in Spanish so it means this in English right trying to do all of that while on the clock to take the test is kind of like, yeah, rushing you, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that has been my biggest challenge, but that was all me
1: upstairs. I think. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really, really, a lot of what our, our issues are, our, our, our negative self-talk is, I mean, obviously it's just up, in our brain. It's our brains our it's our mind's way of psyching ourselves out. And I think it's so cool that you recognized that, but then you were still persistent in your goals and you were able to meet and reach those and exceed those goals. Right. So on the flip side, then Kareem, what has been your greatest joy? My greatest joy for the job? Yeah. it it have to or as, as a person of color, or I mean, as a woman, what has been your greatest joy in your journey so far? Um,
2: well, I've met some amazing people, right, throughout my Leo family. Um, I've met incredible people. I mean, my support group, my family, everybody, I, I just feel like I'm everything is falling into place, right? And I feel like, that's been the best and honestly like if you're not doing great successfully as far as like career goes and what you do it almost feels like nothing else is ever really in place so i think that with that being great every like all the other little pieces of the puzzles just come in but also like meeting so many people that are willing to like do anything to help me be successful i mean there was this female that reached out to me because she would see me at the jail. Her name's Cammie, also Cammie, just like yours. And Perfect. You gotta <laughs> wonderful. Um, be great. wonderful. And, you know, like she reached out to me on Facebook and she, this woman was relentless, Cammie. She would not leave me alone. Every time there was a job posting, she would Facebook me the link to, to apply. I'm like, stop sending me. Like, I don't want to, obviously I wouldn't say that to her because She was a super kind cop that would come in and drop people off. And she was super friendly and like chatty and whatnot. And I wasn't going to be rude to her, but I was just like, why does she keep doing that? And so she, I remember at one point, Kimmy, she told me. She was an
1: officer too then. She was an officer. officer. You were working as a, you were working as a corrections officer? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm All right. Um, sorry. Sometimes I don't speak in context. It's that language barrier. It's fine. It's all good, girl. (laughs) My, my thoughts are so disjointed all the time. People probably get sick of me trying to say the same thing 30,000 times. So it's fine.
0: <laughs> You're in good company. Yes. And
2: so she, you know, she kept sending me these and she finally, like one day very bluntly, right? She goes, why? Why will you not apply? Do you like it that much at the jail that you don't want to come work for us? And I'm like, okay, I can respect that. I can totally respect that because I'm very like upfront, very like get to the point. Right. And so I told her, I said, here's my, my issues. Here's, here's what's wrong. And so I told her that and she says, okay, so let's study. And I'm like, I have met you three times in my life and you are willing to take time out of your time, out of your days off. She worked a four days on two days off schedule she works overnight, right? And this woman that I don't know is willing to take time out of her day and her days off to come and study with me. And so then that didn't sit right in my head, right? Because I'm like, if somebody who doesn't know me is willing to set time aside for somebody she does not know for me to be successful, why can't I do that for myself, right? And so I remember being on spring break at the time. And I remember telling my husband, so there's this like study guide online. Do you care if I buy it? It's 90 bucks. It's I thought it was expensive for a study guide. So then Matt tells me, you know, if 90 bucks is going to get you the career that you've been wanting and praying for, then like go for it. It's $90. And so I'm thinking, gosh dang it. I I'm on spring break. I'm not supposed to be doing any more studying. At the time I was a full-time student, full-time employee, right? And so I'm thinking, I really don't want to do this. But then I'm like, okay. This other lady is relentless and she will not give up on me. So why should I give up on myself? So I ended up buying the bank study guide, studied the whole time spring break was going on, um, took all of my pre-exams and did great, ended up taking the test. I did end up applying. I did end up doing all of that, passed everything. And I remember, Cammie, sitting there with the investigator, bringing all of these um, sheets to fill out you know, after we passed the post-test, he would give us these sheets and we were going to put all of our information on there to then move on to do the Cooper test. And he handed me one and I just looked at him and he says, he, you know, he didn't say anything. So I just, I just held onto this, my piece of paper and I'm just sitting there waiting for them to call my name and say that I had failed the exam. I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and nobody ever comes in. Right. And I'm like, what the world? And so I'm just praying, right? Because I'm like so hot and sweaty. Like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah, and the nervous sweats. Absolutely. <laughs> Sitting there, holding my piece of paper, hadn't filled it out. And then the investigator comes up and he goes, you didn't fill out your sheet. And I'm like, well, I was just waiting for you guys to tell us who all like passed and who didn't pass. And he goes, oh, no, Karime, you passed. Everybody passed. Go fill your piece of paper out so you can go take him. And I'm thinking, oh my God. I remember walking up. Yeah, I me mean, to the records lady, because there was the records lady that has all the information. And I'm like, can you please double check my exam to make sure that I passed it? And she looks at me like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I just want to make sure that there isn't an error because I don't want to get excited and like go to my test and then find out she ended up failing. And so like, that was, it felt like one of my best accomplishments because it was just like, all of these people who didn't know me were willing to pour in so much out of their time. And I wasn't willing to do that for myself. And so like, I it kind of, it was almost like a reality check. Like there's so many people that believe in you. Maybe you should start giving yourself a little bit more credit. And ever since then, every time that I feel like I can't do something, I just kind of like try to sit back and be like, okay, can you do this though? Because if other people are telling you that you can do it, they see something that you might not see right now. Yeah. And so I've just, I've been so grateful. I've had my first sergeant was incredible. I mean, he's taught me so much. He ended up leaving our department, but my God, he was amazing. Like all of these friendships that I've made and relationships that I've made with people from all over the state that are cops everywhere else. And like, you know, my department and it's just, it's just been amazing. I feel like I am so blessed. It's not enough like I, I should be able to share it with other people because I feel like there's so much
1: for me. Yeah.
2: It's almost like I want to give because I feel like it's too much for me to.
1: Overflowing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it just, I think that's been the
1: best, honestly. Yeah. I really like that you talked specifically about this mental battle that you had. And that was really the only thing that was holding you back. I mean, you had people believing in you and um, it had to have been really intimidating. To you know, have the background of having a family that—I mean, your mom had expressed that she was, you know, kind of terrified of police officers and um, your race and your gender and all of these things—and your mind, your own mind, was telling you, like, "Whoa, back up!" All of these mm-hmm. things could have been possible hurdles, and they were hurdles for you to jump, but you right. did, and you had an awesome support system in which to do so. So my uh, i have a couple few i have a couple last questions that i'm going to ask what would be your advice to some to a person of color who is attempting to live out their dreams what would your advice your best advice be to someone who has odds stacked up against them
2: whatever it is that you're dreaming about and whatever it is that you believe in make sure that I don't, I wouldn't say pray because maybe not everyone believes in the same things I believe in. But if you and your soul know that that's something that you were meant and placed on this earth to do, go for it. Because there are so many people that are willing to like go up and bat for you that you, you don't even know these people, but these people are totally willing to do that because they want to see you be successful. If people are telling you that you're willing to do something and that you can do it because it's in you it's totally there. I know it's so hard. Trust me, coming from me like I, four years ago, I would have been like, you are out of your mind. I am never going to be a cop, right? But I listened to that tiny voice inside and everyone around me that was saying, we support you and you can do it. So just believe in yourself, even if it takes that itty bitty piece of just belief in yourself, like go for it, whatever it is, even if it sounds super scary especially if it sounds super scary, tackle
1: that monster, because more than likely, that's exactly where you need to be. Well, and I think also sometimes we don't even put a name to it. Like in my brain, I know that I want to do this, but I'm too scared to actually say it out loud. Yeah. So maybe your first step in doing that would be just to verbalize it. Maybe just for yourself, like I want to do this. So you can verbalize it. Then maybe the next step is writing it down. And then maybe the next step is actually telling someone because yeah, if you want to do something, you have to start small, maybe, mm-hmm. but get there. Mm-hmm. But believe, and those those steps might just be small, but definitely mm-hmm. a mighty first step. Yeah. So creamy, that's awesome. Okay, my very last question. You talk about all of the support that you've had from your your law enforcement family, your husband, your husband's family, your family. What advice would you give? To support people, so your so to support people in your life. What advice would you give to other people who are who are uh, learning of someone's dreams and goals? What would you say? What would your encouragement be to him or her? Mm-hmm.
2: To, I think a lot of times as a supporter, we kind of think about the scary things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like if my little sister was going to say, "I want to be a cop." right? I'd be like, oh, but there's all that scary stuff, right? Because I care for her and like, I don't want her to get hurt. Um, so maybe like leaving all of that out and being there for the person that is willing to... Because you can see your dream and sometimes reaching out for it is the hardest part, right? So as the person that's cheering you on in the background, maybe not pointing those things out. I mean, God knows that if people that I care about, didn't believe in me, I would never have gone for my dream. So I think that them having true and like being genuine when they say that you can do something
1: is, is definitely what'll get you over the hump for sure. That's awesome. I love that. Especially when we think of something scary that our loved ones want to do, our first inclination is to protect them, but to kind of swallow that and support. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Oh my goodness. It's so hard. But at the same time, like, you know, there's a reason certain people feel so passionate about certain things. And I don't, that's Mm -hmm. beyond our control. That's, that's something else. And I think when you're willing to open your heart and listen to those things and reach out for it, then you're doing exactly what you were placed
1: on this earth to do. Yeah. Awesome. Kareem thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share before we check out? I don't think so. You've done an excellent job of really covering a wonderful, rich history of your life and just putting everything out there about the struggles that you've encountered and the obstacles that you've overcome. Thank you. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk
2: for days, Kimmy, especially because you're also very chatty
1: and... (laughs) (laughs) And repetitive. I'm very repetitive as well. So, oh. Well, Karime, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, If you are listening, I will put Karime's contact information as far as her social media goes, um, her Instagram handle in the description. So if you are someone or if you are a person of color and you are a woman and you are chasing after your dreams or maybe your dream is even to be a police officer, I'm certain that Karime would be over the top, willing to assist you and support you and push you into what you are meant to do. So Kareem, again, thank you so much for being here. I will catch you guys next time on The Bee. Thanks guys.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Bee Podcast. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and make sure to screenshot this week's episode to share on your social media in order to bring awareness to this project. Join our community on Facebook at The Bee Podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time for more inspiring stories told by real women. Wishing you peace and love. I'm Cami Milliken and this has been The Bee Podcast.